You then went uh -huh. to spring break and hung out on the beach with a bunch of people. I was fine. I made out with a bunch of people. Okay. I was not hygienic. Damn. I acted like a degenerate. For real? My immune system was down from all the drinking um, and drugs. Wow. Wow. I mean, nothing's happening, which is fine. Like, it's not like I really went to class. Oh my God. This whole thing's a joke. Like, okay. people and like, I get it because I'm a cloud chaser myself. Um, but like, but it's like, uh, but like, I don't see, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you're part of the Illuminati. Fucking haters. Everybody, what's up? Here's the problem. Hold on, I, I gotta, I have to vape. I'm sorry. That, that is so absurd. I don't even know how to respond to that. It's so ridiculous. I really don't care. Okay. <clears throat> God, what the fuck's up? I really do have some phlegm up in my sh my fucking. I got some lung butter going on. What's up, you guys? How are you? What's going on in your neck of the woods, huh? Over over here, I uh, made another error in judgment. Yeah, I know, big surprise, right? But this time, it was, you know, packed with good intentions. But you know what they say about the road to hell. It was <laughs> packed with good intentions, right? So, I got up this morning, and I wasn't super hungry, but I was incredibly tired, usually as always, but my usual routine is to get some sort of food into my belly and then consume caffeine. But, well, not, to, not today, not this morning, I decided I'm going to go drink some bomb-ass fucking top-shelf coffee. And uh, that shit hit my system on an empty stomach, and I, it didn't have any of the effects you would want to um, extract out of a caffeine experience, you know, you want to drink coffee and be productive, right? This was, this was all the anxiety and having to poop sensations, but with none of the focus or clarity or produ productivity. It was, <sighs> and <laughs> on top of that, I thought, "Fuck, this coffee's not giving me the effects I desire." So, how am I going to mediate this? Uh, problem I have and I thought compound the issue <laughs> with more coffee as a solution so I I made an espresso shot drank that shit and that didn't work either so <laughs> I I did go and I was like dude I was like I tried to record <laughs> and I sounded so jittery and just like I don't know who wants to listen to that right I didn't so <laughs> So I, like first couple minutes through edits, I was like, "Oh, I gotta re retake." But um, I'm, I got something to eat. Cleared my head. Took a couple vape hits, and there's a third coffee over here that it's been staring at me in the face. Just looking at it, it kind of makes me anxious. So I'm gonna look away and um, get on with the show, as you say. There's only really like one or two things I want to say. First of all, that that little intro, little mashup you heard uh, in the beginning, that was inspired by 
the one and only, no other, <laughs> infamous Dr. Phil. Narcissistic bitch. Narcissistic bitch. So, cheers to you, Dr. Phil. Um, you are definitely in my top ten of biggest pieces of shit of all time. I definitely know, um, from my experience of watching that trash garbage show, that, uh, Dr. Phil has this tendency or this, like, formula he's perfected where he exploits the fuck out of just people that you and I would look at it as kind of strange, and he really likes to make try and make them go viral and shine the spotlight on him. And as a professional doctor, he tries to just you know shame them and insult them, and the audience laughs with Doctor Phil. Ha ha ha! Look at this piece of shit. And then if anyone calls him out for exploiting you know dysfunction within the fucking nation. Um, he gets very offended and goes, Well, you know what? I think we're just going to shut this down because I'm not into all this melodrama and you playing the victim and everything. So that's not what I'm about. That's not what I do. I, I, I had you come here to help you. You know, just gets super offended. like, And uh, it plays the victim like a little bitch. So here's to you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> You're kind of just, just scum of the earth. Um, <laughs> uh, but I will say... You know, if you're going to exploit anything, don't exploit mental illness and don't exploit family dysfunction and character defects. Like, don't exploit that as your, like, uh, hustle money workhorse, you know, uh, machine. <laughs> Just pumping out shit content. You should exploit something great. Like, what I recommend is what I've been watching is a horrible show that's on Hulu uh, called Hell's Kitchen. And this gentleman named Gordon Ramsay insults and yells at everybody for like scallops and risotto and. Fuck off. Rubber, rubber, rubber! Shit! Fuck off! You stupid thick bitch! Roll! You know, he, he exploits their horrible cooking skills. So, you know, cheers to, to Gordon Ramsay. He, he talks so much shit. And with just like this elegant, classy uh, way of talking shit. And then sometimes he just gets fucking ruthless with it. I mean, I actually play that show while I'm cooking. And it makes me feel like I cooked <laughs> my meal better. It probably you know, wouldn't pass standards and Gordon Ramsay would shit all over it. But, you know, as I'm eating at my spicy ramen, I love how like <laughs> someone's like, you know, undercooking sea bass and or snapper, like, you know, big snapper, red snapper. I don't know what the, these fancy foods and just laugh at them fucking it up. That's funny to me. <sighs> it really deviates <laughs> my attention away from like, all the things I need to take care of in my life. Wonderful distraction. Um, <clears throat> but I digress, ladies and gentlemen. The other dedication that uh, that intro goes to is the um, middle-aged, uh, blonde, fucking arrogant uh, bitch. <laughs> I stupidly got baited into arguing on Facebook and then, <clears throat> like Gordon Ramsay, I, I shamed her into deleting her post, which was some... Uh, I don't even want to get into it, you guys. But, I mean, you 
she oh my god okay so you know what i'll just say this i'm not going to go into a long rant like i usually do or i'll try not to but i'll say this first of all uh i don't ever like talking politics i don't like talking about politics on facebook i don't like talking politics on here i think that's stupid it's divisive and i don't honestly i don't give a fuck about politics or left or right wing i think you know i don't trust any of them to be honest and i dabble in some silly conspiracy theories but i know they're silly like you know uh when david ike talks about reptilians i'm like oh you know he's talking about this 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 elaborate crazy shit and no human being would would go through all the effort to like do all this shit they have to be reptilians right but i don't you know by i don't go then do this million man march to the white house with a picket sign and and scream about reptilians and join this crazy cult no i don't have the energy for that so when i meet or come i mean first of all i have about um unfortunately i have two thousand friends on facebook over the years of me having facebook which is horrible, but uh, I did a lot of, you know, music promotion on through that that uh, platform or whatever. So I have acquired a lot of acquaintances. I'd say about, you know, twenty percent of them I t- regularly, you know, communicate with. But the rest are just dead profiles. I don't even know the people half the time. And so this one particular individual. Let me just set the tone, right? I won't get into too many details, but first of all, the the only thing I know about this person, or like on a personal level, is that she used to date uh, someone I grew up with and knew very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's all. I don't know anything about her other than she dated this individual. I won't say who the individual <laughs> I know is because uh, he is pretty notoriously known for um around that era especially uh fucking a girl while having poison oak on his dick um and i heard all about this story but yeah he fucked a girl with poison oak on his dick i don't know honestly what that does but it doesn't sound good whatever the results are whatever the outcome and she dated him so we're already going off that basis of like integrity and critical thinking and all that shit from her from her post history i know this um she recently discovered QAnon. you know good for her whatever you know And, and to me someone who's smoked or shot up lots of meth and dove headfirst down rabbit holes of you know celebrities or clone videos and the the most preposterous shit out there I would have to say QAnon to me, from my perspective, is like the um, the Karens of conspiracy theories. But the difference between you know QAnon and other conspiracy theorists is that although they want to speak to a manager about them, you know, being so outraged after discovering like a YouTube video for the first time, <laughs> um, there's no manager for them to speak to. 
And if there was, the manager who's in charge, there's no manager. And then, you know what? Another thing about QAnon, like, what's weird to me is like, why are you guys thinking that Trump is going to save you? That he does not, he wants your votes. That's why he's like, oh, great. Good for you. I support you. But you know what? He's not going to go out of his way to bend over backwards for you. This billionaire doesn't give a fuck about you. So it's so funny watching people who are like so nationalist and like have have american flags and all this and yet they're posting me uh fucking memes talking about uh people who take vaccines are going to die and it's just like when you post shit like that i have to like i don't know call mulligan or call just bullshit to say oh you're being kind of stupid because for me i i'm lazy you know i'll 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 be entertained by a a conspiracy theory video but i'm not gonna go right on a cardboard box and go wave it around and stand on my soap box on facebook and tell be self-righteous and tell people like you think you just got woke for the first time just like shut the fuck up So I like to just troll and shame until they finally get so upset and realize that I've affected their emotions with little effort. They, they usually take their stupid post down or delete me. And that I feel is better than unfollowing or unfriending. I kind of want to just exit with like, um, with, with leaving a nice little (laughs) bitter memory taste in their mouth, you know, like, fuck you stupid. But believe whatever the fuck you want. I mean, if you're part of QAnon or if you're, I don't really give a fuck. Believe what you want, but don't shove your your bullshit down my throat. I don't try, or I at least do my best not to shove my bullshit down everyone else's throat aside from, you know, maybe this podcast and a few other things. But even then when I'm on here, you don't need to hear about my fucking views on, uh, I don't know, like... You you know what I'm talking about. So with that, I'm fucking done ranting about stupid shit. Point is, um, I don't know shit about vaccines, so you know whatever. But I, I do know a lot about trolling the shit out of really self righteous, overly combative people on social media, and I shouldn't have resorted or reverted back to my old evil ways. It's just like if you're going to be a bully online or if I if I uh, perceive your attitude about your opinion as bullying or aggressive, then uh, I guess I'm going to fucking troll the shit out of you just to expose how ridiculous you're being. But who fucking cares? Just my opinion in a sea of fucking endless opinions out there on the Internet. Um like, I really don't care what you believe in, believe in what you want, but if you're going to be that aggressive about it, then I'm just going to fucking say whatever to fucking make you act like a fucking the idiot you are. So with that, I'm, I'm done talking about this shit. <laughs> okay, so there was one main, like, message I wanted to get across to all of you listening before I unleash you upon uh, stories that detail my fucked up, you know, tragically hilarious life at times and sometimes just dark and depraved you know and sometimes just kind of just weird and fucked up um so this on this episode uh basically what happened was i had recorded a shit ton of stories that all were kind of centered centered around the era of the last two episodes which were like kind of high school and then beyond and so what i did was just 
had a bunch of little mini sessions of me telling little stories I remembered. And so all the stories that I told that didn't make uh, the cut and they're on the cutting room floor, they're like B sides, or I consider these stories are like uh, the deleted scenes um, that you check out in the special section of a DVD of a movie. You know, I found, I, I kind of just uh, recollected all these stories and then mashed them all together. <laughs> kind of like how I've been DJing lately. Shout out. If you want to watch me on Twitch, no one does, but it's fun. But I noticed when I was doing edit, like re-editing them and listening back, if I accidentally name dropped or something, uh, there are two stories in particular that I I listened to or played back, and I realized two of them, two of the stories, both contain um, subject matter that I want to take seriously, and I wanted to kind of... mm, package the story in a way that also enforces or reinforces this message that, you know, I don't condone um, this behavior from whatever individuals are in these stories and that, you know, it's not cool. And the thing is, the reason I even say that is because there are times, and especially lately, I've, I've been telling stories and they're lighthearted and they're funny, even though I dive into debauchery of different levels, right? So I know when people listen to some of the episodes and think, oh, he's being funny about things. I don't want people to listen to these stories with these certain situations and think that I'm looking at the, the situation at hand that it's that we're talking about in question or I think that what what this situation is is funny um, because that's not that's not what I feel and that's not what I think about it. I think you know even though one may be exposed to events or situations un- unknowingly being around someone they don't know, being at a party and someone you don't know there does something out of pocket that everyone there thinks is not cool or, you're associated with someone with that's the association is outside of your control. You have no, you have no choice of the matter. They're just, they become in involved in your life and they are involved in some shady shit that you don't agree with moral, moral wise, you know? Um, I won't get into the details about these situations. I'll let, I'll let the, the stories reveal themselves, you know, but when, those situations come up in the stories as I'm telling them. I will make a note of that to all you listening. Like, hey, this was that moment I was talking about. Trigger warning. This is more serious than some some of the topics I've been talking about. You know, um, because I don't want anyone to listen to all the stories in general or the whole few episodes coming and think, oh, he thinks this is a joke, or he thinks that's a joke. So I just really wanted to point that out and say, hey, these two or two or few situations happened, and this is what happened, and then this is my reflection of the event, and I don't think it's cool. You know, and that's the overall message, is that those situations I don't think are cool, and I'll reflect on them when they come up. So just make a note of that. Um, I just don't, like I said, I don't want anyone listening to listen and think one way or the other. 
about how my views on it are. And if you listen to this episode or next few episodes, and when you listen to those stories uh, and you feel like I didn't package them well, or I didn't handle the topic well, <clears throat> or even if I, tr- you know, I'm trying to, if I, if you felt some sort of way about it, just you know, feel free to message me or email me and we'll have a discussion about it. I'm not trying to hurt feelers about especially about sensitive issues that that are fucked up. So, you know, with that, I um that's all I really wanted to say and I've really ranted so long about uh, Gordon Ramsay and fucking Dr. Phil and uh, QAnon and anti-vaxxers and whatever. Like, if you want to get a, if you want to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. If you don't want to get a vaccine, don't get a vaccine. Just try and respect everybody. Like, I don't, I don't know why I get involved in the, like, some some situations. I really have been better at recognizing. Like, I'm gonna tap out at even trying to carry out a discussion with you. But you know, my dumbass. <clears throat> I got suckered in yet again, but I've, I fucking rambled long enough, dude, about dumb shit. I just want to say I love you guys, and um, that's fucking, that's all about it. If I, I'm out. <laughs> I need to take a nap after drinking this coffee. So with that, yeah, love you guys, and as always, peace, love, and all the above. Want the pills that wanna fly me out of space I just got off with the plug And he said it's on the way I just got down on the rug And I said I gotta pray for myself I'm the most high I don't wanna die yet Okay, so this story Well, this is not really a story I mean, I guess technically In itself, it's a story Um, But it's really just a small like slice of life tale just for you all to get you can get a kind of whiff of what my life smelled like you know at this time I mean the last few episodes yeah you basically get the hint this also kind of just adds to the aesthetic so to speak of the crazy just shit in the background of my life so um this was after I graduated now I was just basically floating around. I've said before, it was basically the summer that never ended, and it was just a lot of weed smoking and a lot of drug experimentation and um, learning how to go to parties and and shit like that. So this was just either, it could have been a weekend. I mean, every day was basically a weekend at that point. But on this particular day, I mean, it felt like a Saturday. I was so fucking, <laughs> I was so fried. I mean, who who the fuck knows? But let's just say it's a Saturday. I get a call from my buddy, uh, Dylan. You've heard me talk about him before. And uh, he's basically like, hits me up on my little Nokia brick. And like, he was like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, yeah, I'd wait. I did my little wake and bake for the day. I think it was like watching the, that 70s show or like Fresh Prince. Just like, just like spacing the fuck out and uh i was like i'm doing nothing man what's up and uh, he was just like yeah let's go let's go um smoke a blunt with the homies and so at this point in my life i'm pretty much notoriously known for not wanting to ever leave the house the adventures i've gone on with my friends they were i mean 
they've rendered me pretty traumatized at this point. Um, not nearly as bad as the trauma I endured later on, but, uh, yeah, they just get me into a bunch of shit that I, I'm like, dude, how am I not arrested? I mean, I've been arrested before, but I'd rather not get arrested again, doing whatever the fuck that these guys think up. But yeah, I, I'm like, I never leave the house. You know, my friends have to basically draw, draw me out or lure me out of the house with like things that tempt me to actually gather the energy to leave and drive their ass wherever. Um, and usually it's like, yeah, weed, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to leave the house for just weed. I usually was like, oh yeah, there's Vicodins. I'm gone. You tell me there's Vicodins there. I'll be there in like five seconds. Um, but on this particular day, I, I, I wasn't sure if there was opiates or not. Cause if there is, I'm like, dude, you're giving them to me. Take my money. But there's just a blunt and involved in this, in, in this fucking whole fucking, I don't know, exchange here. And Dylan, let's, let's just say this Dylan back then he rolled the loosest fucking blunts <clears throat> That I ever fucking smoked. They're like so loose. You take a hit for like maybe 0.4 of a second and you get so much air with the smoke. It just is, it just doesn't taste good. I don't know. Any blunt smokers out there like, or who, anyone who smoked blunt knows like can't be too tight, but especially can't be too loose. So I was like, Oh, and he loved smoking them that way. I don't know why he, he loved watching us fucking, die from coughing and sweating and I was like dude I'm driving you're gonna fucking I'm gonna crash you're gonna fucking kill us all but I don't know what tempted me to leave at that particular moment in my life so but um I was like all right let's go smoke a blunt and um so basically it was all my like in my inner circle of of friends it was like me Dylan Wack, Vince I think it was us four and we were just driving around smoking a blunt. And, you know, fuck, it's graduated in, like, 02. It, was, it had to have been, like, 03 or 04. No, but, yeah, it was, like, 03 or 04. We're cruising around and listening to, like, like listening to Andre Nicotina. Like, it was so profound to us, like, fucking suburban white kids. We, were, we thought we discovered something so badass, you know. And... So we're, we're driving around. I don't even know what fucking back road we're on. I think it was like Corbett Canyon driving towards San Luis Obispo. And um, out of nowhere, Dylan, I was like, Dylan, you fucking made me leave the house. And there, there's no Vicodin. There's no morphines. There's no oxys. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? We're smoking blunt. Blunt's about to be gone. I want to fucking find some pills and I have three of my friends here to help me with shitty cell phones and contacts to call. So, you know, take my money. And, uh, Dylan's like, yeah, I'm not going to even try and get, um, get fucking, uh, get you fucking Viking right now. It's going to be a pain in my ass. And there's me fucking 20 other people that are hunting him down who will pay a fucking severed head for them. He's like, I'm not doing that. But he's like, I'll tell you what I will do for you. And he pulls out his pocket, a bunch of Valium. And my buddy Dylan loved benzos, but he really loved cocaine. 
And that's what he was on the search for. He was going around and digging around in the, his phone for contacts because he wanted to buy whatever sizable amount of white powdery blow, you know, Peruvian flake fish scale or whatever. It was probably really like, you know, 45% talcum powder. You know, you snort a line and shit your pants. But that's what he was looking for. But I'm nagging him like, give me some fucking, call, gas them for fucking, Coke dealers got fucking Vicodin. So he whips out these Valiums he had on him. He's had, look, he had like fucking 10 of these blue Valiums. I don't know the milligrams, but they're blue. And he hands out one Valium to each of my friends. One for me, one for Wack, one for Vince, and one for himself. And we all fucking, um, you know, pop one and we smoke the rest of this blunt, drink our fucking Red Bulls or whatever the fuck we were into. And we continue down the fucking back road. And as we, you know, drift away and finish the blunt, this, this fucking Valium or this Benzo, it starts kicking in and we mellow the fuck out. You know, and, and, you know, I should have been able to tell in the back of my mind what was going on, but Dylan was really just setting the tone to get us in the mood to go do something for him, to manipulate us. He needed to get us um, sedated on drugs. So um, we're cruising along and, you know, Andre Nicotine is playing in the background, you know, it's probably like Killer Whale or something. To all you motherfuckers that just can't tell, I'm a Pisces, but I'd rather be a Killer Whale. And, um, uh, finally, he's he's like, okay, so this is what we're going to do after he looks through all his contacts. He, he, I think he's lined up some cocaine, and he's like, all right, I need, he's like, I am on schedule at the jail to go visit my brother. Um, cause he has visitation rights and he's in San Luis Obispo County jail. We're in San Luis Obispo. I'm scheduled to go see him in about 30 minutes. You know, why don't we go all visit him now at this point in my life? I don't have, I only have misdemeanors on my record, <laughs> only misdemeanors and no felonies, which means, and which means for everyone else in the car who doesn't have felonies, which at the time we didn't means we are able to visit people in jail. Later, when I got felonies, you're not allowed to visit people in jail, I guess. You lost that privilege. So we're all pretty f- fucked up on weed and benzos, and we're going to go visit Dylan's brother in jail. Now, Dylan's brother <clears throat> had recently got arrested. I've talked about Dylan's brother before. He had the uh, alias um, or, you know, handle a psycho Mike is really, he was really just Mike, but everyone was like, Oh, it's psycho Mike. Cause apparently he was psycho and he would do psycho things. And you know, he did from time to time. And, um, he was in jail. Like I had also said, uh, because he had shot this guy named Herb in the face who actually lived. So, you know, good, good on you, Herb fighter. And so Mike, had was going through the judicial process while incarcerated. I think later he eventually got only manslaughter and ended up doing about nine years in prison. I don't know which prison. Um, he's he's out now and he's got a house and he's with his supporting his family and doing good and good on Psycho Mike. But anyway, at this time he was still 
being transferred to prison because they were gearing up for this whole trial and he was fighting for a reasonable sentence and this and that. So we go to visit Mike and we go into the whatever room you go for visitation. Um, and it's basically, I, I recognize it well. It's where you, it's the same room where you get released and you just go in and sign in and say, Hey, we're here to visit so-and-so you give me your ID and then they put you in this little room and m- most people who done visitation or watched any st- like stupid jail show on TV, yeah, you, like you have a little phone and you talk through your family member or loved one or friend all over the phone to communicate. So we're all sitting in this visitation room in jail, really fucking out of it, like just space case, right? And, uh, and, you know, as time proceeds, these volumes are kicking in more and more. I'm a fucking lightweight on benzos, right? So I black out really easily, and I'm very, very stoned. I've already smoked plenty of weed at my house, more weed with Dylan, and popping pills. So Mike walks in. He's in his, um. they give you, like, it's not really a jumpsuit. It's like a two-piece, but it's orange. So you have orange pants, orange. You got a white undershirt, orange fucking overshirt. And, uh, they use socks, but they don't even give you cool, the cool vans like in LA jail. They give you these orange fucking foamy flip flop sandals that you ha- that double as shower shoes. So you walk around with your shower shoes all day. It's really not that great, but so we see Mike and, um, Dylan's talking to him on the phone and this and that about whatever, who knows about you know, situations. And, uh, I guess Dylan asks us if we want to talk to Mike. So we each take turns passing the phone around saying what's up to Mike. And I don't really talk to Mike. You know, I don't really have a, um, a big repertoire of conversation with him. Um, I've bought weed off of him. He has, uh, stolen from different people I've known. And usually they just let him get away with it. Cause he's psycho Mike. He's punched me in the face once and I did nothing. <laughs> Cause I'm not going to fight that guy. Uh, but I took the punch like a man at least, <laughs> but I didn't do shit cause I'm not trying to, to die. Um, and so I'm just like, Hey Mike, what's up? I don't remember anything about what we talked about. I was like, yeah, how's, how's jail, man? <laughs> you know? And, uh, cause like at that point I didn't know dick about politics. I've only done like time in a holding cell and somehow got bail to get out. So, but the point of the story is not that we were smoking blunts or popping pills or that we were even visiting Mike in jail. The highlight of the story is as we wrap up this conversation with Mike over the phone, we look behind him. And um, if anyone knows where the visitation rooms are, it's almost like this row of just metal benches that people sit on. And then there's little walls that section off this glass this row of glass for different people to look through and someone walks by Mike and he's very familiar and we all recognize him and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> hey guys, it's uh, future Uncare doing edits on this horrible story of my life. Just to remind you that, uh, remember when I said earlier in the episode, I was going to, uh, pop in and make a, like a, a, no- a reminder to you all that, uh, some real serious shit's going to happen in the story. Well, this is just that time to know 
from this moment on, shit's, I don't know, subject matter is more serious, I guess. I just wanted to point that out. You know, everything up until this story is like fun and jokes and laugh and haha, but the individual in jail and the reasoning behind him jails more serious. So just, I'm not making a joke out of it. This is just the shit that happens. So anyway, me and Dylan and Josh and Vince, we all see this individual who's in custody and orange is walking by Mike. And, um, he, the, I only know him as one person and that, and I'll censor his name out for, you know, sake of privacy of people I talk about, but this was none other than, um, my senior high school math teacher, Mr. Now, um, a lot of you out there must be wondering if you've gotten this far in the story, they must be wondering, well, what the fuck? Why is your high school math teacher in jail? Like what the, this, I mean, the only, the thing about the situation is it's, it's pretty awkward already from the standpoint of me and my friends seeing our, our math teacher in jail, walking back to his pod or whatever after custody. That's, that's a little weird. And a lot of you are probably like, what the fuck? Why are you making such a big deal out of this? Why did you have to pause and tell us this is serious and not jokes like everything else? And it, like, ugh, um, it's just a ridiculous kind of preposterous, awkward as fuck situation. But so I laugh at the ridiculous, the ridiculousness of that. I laugh at the ridiculousness of that situation. But uh, the reasoning behind why my math teacher is in jail is um, a much more serious topic, let's just say. And so me and all my friends are just looking at each other and he recognizes us. Like he's walking by Mike behind the glass and all that. And then he stops to see us on the other side of the glass and he looks at us and he obviously, he obviously remembers, you know, Oh, these were, my students from years gone by. And, uh, he goes, he goes, Hey kids, how's it going? And we're just like, Oh, Hey, Hey, Mr. How's it going? Uh, he, he, yikes. It's a, yeah, it's a yikes situation. Now let me get into the why. Like everyone's probably, well, what the fuck? Why is he in jail? Okay. So, the reason is, oh, God damn, this is just so awkward to talk about. So the reason this is such a yikes situation is because me and all my friends already known why our math teacher, our previous math teacher, uh, is in jail. And everyone in town knew about it. We, everyone read about it in the papers. It was a big kind of thing. And um, apparently our math teacher from high school, uh, he was caught being involved intimately with one of his students. Um, I That's really all I know about the situation behind him being in jail. I don't really know any other specifics or details behind, behind that statement other than, yeah, he was in like an intimate relationship with, with his student. Uh, I don't know... Uh, how sexual their relationship or romantic relationship got involved. I'm sure it, it was enough to land him in jail. 
and I'm sure he's PC. He was PC'd up. I'm sure of it. It's like, I'm sure people wanted to stab him. You know, it's like you go to jail for something like that. There's the pot. The pod's going to talk about your integrity and someone's going to want to have some karmic justice put out politic wise on you. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how sexual it got. I, I mean, she, I'm sure he was in jail because she was underage, like 17 or such. I don't know her age, even if she was 18, that's just completely inappropriate. Right. So, um, the reason I even tell the story, it's not, it, like I said, it's not to make a joke out of it. It's just like that shit happened. And those kind of weird fucked up moments are just the little fucking, I don't know, get a better idea of how weird and awkward my life has been and continues to be. I, I mean, it's not as chaotic, thank God, but yeah, so that happened, and then, oh God, fucking damn it, he he I, he he just was like, "All right, kids, take care of yourselves." Just like who? What? The, I mean, honestly, what the fuck do you say to your math teacher behind glass while he's in fucking or an orange jumpsuit in custody for doing what I just said? Like, and he's like, "Oh, hey, kids," because he recognizes you and you recognize him, and it's just this awkward pause. Like, what the fuck do you even? say or do like, I mean, me and everyone else, like all my friends were just like, Oh, uh, uh, you know, like Jesus fuck. And so, uh, we, we, we were already like getting up to say, but goodbye to Mike. We weren't like, ha- didn't have the phone to our ear or anything. So, I mean, Mike's in custody too. And he kind of looked like at us strange, just like, what the fuck was that about? And I'm sure, you know, Later on, uh, Dylan and Mike had a conversation like, hey, what the fuck? Who is that that you recognize? And I'm sure Dylan told him the details of what happened. But we basically said goodbye to Mike. And, you know, Mike has done his time and he's out now. Uh, I don't know what uh, Mr. I don't know what his fate was or what happened to him. I mean, he obviously did his jail time and he, I mean, I bet he's out now if he's still alive. I'm sure he's gotten quite a few ass beatings over the years in his sentence and whatnot. But it's, um, I mean, if he is alive, he's probably out and he's probably has this huge black mark of society on him. I mean, you've basically were getting involved with your students, like, and it's on your record and, it's blatantly out there and all the public knows about it. I'm sure it's just like years of people talking about him and just who, ugh, I don't know, but yeah, like our benzoed out asses left the jail and kind of paranoid at that point, because it's like, we had already been smoking and have had weed on us and we're loaded on benzos and we took off and we kind of just rode into the sunset and just, I mean, I'm sure at the time, especially because I was so young and naive and like arrogant and ignorant, we all kind of laughed to one another at mostly the ridiculousness of the situation. Like, ha ha, we just saw our math teacher in jail and he did something heinous. Like, ha ha, look at him. I mean, I'm sure we were laughing at, at him and the karmic justice he received for just being kind of just creepy and shady. Like, if I don't even care if you're in your thirties, even it's like, you don't who dates someone like 10 years younger than you. That's all. That's just, just that, let alone your student. That just sounds super creepy and weird. So anyway, but 
Yeah, we rode off into the sunset, and I blacked out and didn't know the, any of the events for the rest of the day. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not the most epic like story, or it's actually a really weird and awkward story, but thought I would just share that with you. And so, there you go. You are already. So, um, this story and uh, a few of the other stories I've noticed uh, all center around the exact same location. And um, that location in question would be um, in my hometown or where I grew up, uh, Arroyo Grande. It is Wasna Road. Now, there's nothing quite special about Wasna Road. It's just like any other um, back road around the area. I mean, there is, like it's a very small beach. It's kind of in the five cities. And anyone know, who knows Central Coast, the five cities consist of like the five tiny boroughs or little towns all surrounded around that area and that would be like you know Rio Grande, Grover Beach, Oceano, Pismo Beach, Shell Beach um you know and that's that's basically five cities and then if you go north that's San Luis Obispo and if you go south that's Napomo and whole different story so um Wasna is just like any other back road like I said and the only thing back roads are really good for at least for me and all of my friends, were was that we utilized them to uh, smoke a lot of weed while traveling and smoke weed like, you know, incognito undercover without raising suspicion from anyone around because there's not that many people around on a back road con compared to like a, a highway or a freeway or main road, you know. So we would take, and especially if you're, I don't advocate this or condone this, but if when we were driving under the influence of anything uh, and, may, and were impaired to the point that we wanted to not get pulled over or scrutinized under the, you know, flashlights of authorities, so we'd take back roads. Um, so, uh, but the, the thing that's unique about Wasna Road is that it's a back road that has no... Um, other destination on the other side you know most of the back roads we could get from one town to the other like ag to san luis Obispo and back or you know go from party to back to our little home base uh with wasna road you go on this back road right <clears throat> and it's cool it's good for smoking weed and you keep driving and it doesn't spit you out at any other road or any other town i mean uh, it just keeps going deeper, deeper into the backcountry cuts, you know, so you go for miles and miles and miles 
out in the middle of nowhere, just nature and people who have a lot of property who own cows and, you know, just, it's just like out in the middle of nowhere. There's like bobcats out there, just crazy shit. And, uh, it's all at some points it goes way uphill and it's twisty and turny and then it spits you down downhill further in the middle of nowhere. And there you, at some points you may see a cow in the middle of the road, or sometimes you'll see a fucking turkey in the middle of the road or some crazy shit. But it gets to the end, at the end, um, you know, uh, it kind of, I don't know, how do I describe this? Wasna kind of, uh, splits into multiple different back roads and then you can only go so far from the, those points because by then it becomes like dirt roads, private property. And, you know, by then you're so far out in the middle of nowhere. A lot of that private property is owned by people who, who knows what they're doing. But if they see someone suspicious driving on their land, they come out with a gun and fucking, throw, you know, flash in your face. Because, you know, by that point, you're so far out in the middle of nowhere. Like, there ain't no cops, you know. This is fucking backcountry crazy shit. And so, um, you know, we have, you know, I've, no one has any business going out there, uh, unless, you know, you just want to smoke weed and then drive all the way back. Or if you go past the point of no return, which is like these private property signs and it turns to dirt road and you get to a point that's known as Stony Creek and this dirt road that's called Stony Creek is way the fuck out there. It goes through multiple creeks um, so, you know, depending on how much water's running through these creeks, you may not be able to pass unless you have a truck or something. And, um, that you'll pass, you'll pass by all this crazy shit. I remember we would pass by this little shack of a hut and it would be riddled with thousands of different bullet holes and shotgun holes. Like people shot that thing up and it just like laying there with a million bullet holes as kind of like a precursor warning, like, yeah, uh, trespassers are not wanted. <laughs> All the signs that you drive by have bullet holes in them, you know. These people are loaded with guns. And we would go out there anyway and not give me a fuck. So, anyway, what's at the end, you don't know. For hours, you would drive. And even when you hit dirt road, then you'll drive for another a couple hours. So, you better have oil, you better have gas. A lot of the times, we would go out there with drug dealers and, like, you know, go off-roading up these crazy mountains, like, that don't have roads, you know, just driving up on, you know, who knows, like, and, um, it's a shady place, because, you know, there were instances where, you know, our friends would get, like, one time my friend Vince and, uh, my dumbass friend John drove out there, I mean, I think he with his John's stupid girlfriend, and, um, <laughs> She was like mute. She didn't talk. That's why she's. That's why I say she's stupid. It's just like, she, but she's really just shy. But that's whatever. I don't know. I guess we were kind of intimidating because we got really fucked up and rowdy. But um, yeah, John and Vince, they got stuck out there. Like his truck broke down by the time he drove all the way out there, and then they had to walk all the way back, which is like it, at night they had to walk back. And, like, you're fucked. Like, you're walking at night in the middle of fucking nowhere. You don't see any houses. Like, to get to someone's house, you have to drive up the road for miles on private property. There's wild animals around. 
I remember they, they walked for hours up the road and when they finally found a house, they knocked on the door and said, Oh, please give us a ride into town. So it's, it's crazy. I mean, I would go out there to trip balls and mushrooms and stuff and go out there to lay low. Like if we, I mean, we'd rip off drug dealers and hide out in Wasna, you know, uh, stupid shit. So anyway, why do I bring up fucking Wasna for five minutes? Well, in this particular story of multiple stories, uh, I went out there, um, on, but on this particular night, which was like most likely a Saturday and in the evening, seems like all these stories are on a Saturday, but, uh, coincidentally it was my birthday on this particular day. And, uh, I don't know if it was my 21st birthday or not, but, um, regardless of whether I was 21 or not, I think it was right before, I think it was actually my, like my 20th or 19th birthday. <laughs> like I was, I think I was underage as fuck. So, uh, the, but I do remember drinking a lot, but, um, I was with two of my friends. One of my friends was, um, Ray or AKA DJ Ray or DJ Reza. Now Ray was my friend who, uh, I mean, I was this like death metal kid, who would play guitar in these punk bands and death metal bands and stuff. But, but Ray, he kind of turned me on to like DJing and drum and bass. And, you know, if you don't know a drum and bass, I'll play like a five second clip or something. Um, But yeah, he got me into a lot of things. I mean, he, yeah, like I said, he got me into DJing and drum and bass, and then that rabbit hole like seemed never-ending. But he uh, he got me a job at this really shady car dealership um, in San Luis Obispo, where all the car dealers, um, or a, a large majority of the the top car salesmen, um, they were just strung out on like methadone pills and different oxy and pain pills and they would they would kick us down pills if for us to like detail their car and shit um he also got me into really like smoking a lot of meth not not a lot but he got into smoking a lot of meth and turned me onto like that world because i wasn't really into like i was more into i'm more like of a cokehead at times so when i would do meth with him it was like really in the dark and hidden no one was supposed to know about it like, I remember smoking meth in a trailer with him once, and uh, his buddy had this pookie, and it was like a foot long, and the bulb on it was huge, and the neck was, god damn, the neck was super long as a thick-ass glass pookie, and the neck was caked with residue or whatnot, because when <clears throat> anyone who tweaks knows, you smoke a lot of meth, the the neck of the the Douglas or whatever, it gets super caked with, and it crystallizes. It was so thick, like you could barely take a hit. It was almost a crystallized shut. And (laughs) we're smoking this giant puddle with him, and he'd be like, yeah, dude, whatever you do, don't hit the neck. (laughs) So me, being a smart ass, asshole, dumbass, I start to like hit the pookie, but then I move my flame up the neck and I start melting the neck into the puddle so it gets bigger. 
like a shady fuck. And he's like, dude, you're hit. Don't hit the neck. Don't burn the neck. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. But yeah, Reza, he ended up, um, I think a little bit after this happened, he ended up uh, getting into some really shady shit. He was like getting in, real into tweak and like maybe even, I don't know. I won't talk about the shady shit he got into. I just know he tweaked a lot. He, he ended up, uh, I, re- I remember I ended up quitting that job, but he ended up tweaking so hard. He would like get a power inverter for his, for his shitty Nissan. And then, uh, he would put like a microwave in the back and not just like any microwave, like a big ass fucking microwave. And so he would drive out in the woods and hide out and get super twacked out and just get really crazy. And, and like he would microwave like frozen burritos and shit. It's like, why would you need a microwave in your car? Just drive home. But I don't know. So he would hide out by in his car by himself, tweaking and eating burritos every few days. But he got it got so shady that uh he fucking um I think someone robbed him and the, they hit him in the face with a, a metal like or aluminum bat and like he had to get uh, reconstructive surgery on his jaw and just all kinds of fucked up shit. But I hear, I hear he's doing good now. He's like rebuilding cars and doing good. So good on you. But he was, I was with him. And so, uh, cause he hit me up and he's like, Oh, it's your birthday. I think MySpace said it was my birthday. So he hit me up. He's like, we got a party for your birthday. I don't think I was in a very big party mood, but I was in the search for like, I was broke at the time. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm broke. And I only had so much weed that I was like, I'm not sharing with anybody. Like, fuck this. And so, uh, fucking, um, actually what I ended up doing is all my fucking, uh, weed dealers, I texted on my Nokia brick and I was like, Hey, it's my fucking birthday. So what's up? And they were like, Hey, all right, come over. I'll give you a free gram, you know, birthday gram from one of my best customers. So I did that with five dealers or sometimes they give me more than a gram. So I, I had like five different grams of like some good ass, like top shelf. And so I was like, me and Reza, I was like, well, you know what? I haven't hit up my buddy, Chris. All I got to hit up Chris, tell him it's my birthday. Maybe we'll hang out and get fucked up on whatever drugs he can, has access to, you know? Now, Chris, um, how do I describe Chris? I never really have many stories with Chris because at one point he kind of just disappeared and uh, he ended up, uh, I think, just dipping out of town and because he was super strung out on, on pain pills. And then he got into a relationship and had a kid and he's doing good. So cool. But I don't know where the fuck he is um, off. He's like off social media, like scrubbed his account. But I knew Chris back in the day because he was one of my main connects for, well, he'd get me a lot of weed. I would get psychedelics off him or I would sell him psychedelics, but he always had all kinds of prescription opiates. He could get Norcos or Loratabs. He could get the, these morphines. He could get Oxys and Dilaudids. He could get motherfucking fentanyl patches or fentanyl suckers. And he had all and he could get benzos and he could get um all kinds of different shit that was bomb and he hooked me up with good prices cuz I would use my connects with with weed set him up with dealers so he could buy weed for cheap and then he would just give me better access for uh his whatever drugs he had for cheaper it was good it was a great you know 
you know, black market like uh, negotiation and uh, alliance we had with each other. So I partied with him all the time. Now, fucking Chris, thing about Chris is that he lived in this town called Napomo. Napomo is kind of south of Rio Grande, south of like Oceano. And it's kind of way out there. You go any further and you're in Santa Maria and that's like, <clears throat> that's uh, Santa Barbara County. So Napomo is just like kind of on the outskirts and in, in the middle of nowhere also. But he lived right off the freeway in this little fucking, uh, like little trailer park. And he lived in a fucking trailer. It was him. It was like him and his girl. His girlfriend was this one girl I know. I won't say her name because she probably doesn't want any of this out there or her past life out there. Um, so he, it was, it was a little trailer, little fucking trailer in the middle of nowhere out in Napomo, right off the freeway. And, uh, it was him and his girlfriend, but Chris had this dog. I forget the dog's name and I forget what type of dog this was, but all, what I do remember is that this dog was fucking insane. Like, think, I don't know if you've ever seen that, that Stephen King movie. It was like a book they made into a movie about the dog that just goes insane and tries to kill people or does kill people. And then the lady's trapped in the car with her kid. That's how fucking crazy this dog was. This dog is gigantic. This dog is huge. That's all I remember. I remember this dog being fucking huge and just fucking insane and like a psychopath. So it's completely unpredictable. And why is this dog mentally disturbed? Well, the thing is, like this dog used to be a nice dog. It's not like it was a police dog or anything. <laughs> but Chris had this dog and um <laughs> I, I remember asking, I was like, why is your dog fucking insane? Because I remember his dog would be on a leash, you know, outside in front of the door of the trailer. So I would come over to buy weed or buy pills. I'd be like, you know, dope sick on off withdrawals from fucking opiates and pills, you know, and I'm like, I got to get in there and buy these pills. And, uh, you know, when this dog was in the trailer and I would knock on the trailer and Chris would come and let me in, the dog was nice as fuck. If he's outside the trailer, he's in like protection mode. He's going to guard anyone from getting into that fucking trailer. Once he sees you approaching, he senses you and he's like growls. He's like, I'm going to attack. So you have to do this like little NFL dance move to maneuver around him without getting bit to shit. If you're getting in and if you get in, <laughs> if you manage to get past the dog and get in without dying, um, then you got, yeah, I would buy my drugs <laughs> and I'd have to leave. And while I would leave, I'd go down these little steps of the trailer and the dog would be waiting for me trying to kill me. So I'd have to like jump over the dog past the steps to get away with from him. Because like I'd come out of that fucking trailer with like a fucking ounce of really good weed in my cargo pocket or some shit. And the dog would bite right at it. Like it was a drug dog, but it, I mean, this dog, I don't know. <clears throat> this dog was fucking insane, dude. And the reason why, like I was going to get to, because I would ask Chris, I was like, why is your dog so fucking insane? <laughs> and he was like, well... One, he was he used to be a normal dog, but one day 
And by the way, I don't condone this. This is what other people did. It just, I was a bystander of hearing about what happened, why this dog is just trying to kill everybody. And he said, one day uh, I got and went into my trailer and this fucking dog ate a whole half ounce of like some of the best bud I've ever come up on. And I was so mad because I was all the last weed I had that I fucking made him eat, uh, fucking ate the mushrooms also to punish him. So this dog already ate a fucking like ounce or no, a half ounce of fucking really good weed. And it's going to really pay the price already, but to give him extra corporal punishment, he fucking fed his dog and ate the mushrooms. So this dog like fried his brain and he tripped so hard he was like perma tripped he was like in the, he was like existing but still perceiving the world in the fourth dimension kind of and i remember <clears throat> i was going to uh, chris's trailer one day to get uh i don't know oxys or something and i'm already dope sick and sweating I was like, yeah, give me the oxys. And he would be like, he, he said like, no, man, we got to go get my dog. And I was like, why? He's like, I, <clears throat> I think it was maybe a day after it came out of this fucking mushroom trip and weed trip. And it had like a, a fucking mushroom flashback. And holy fuck, like he said, yeah, the dog fucking ran away and we got to find it. And so... He gets in my fucking car and we're driving around Napomo and we we go through the fucking McDonald's and we're like he's like got the window cracked and I, we're smoking he's smoking a cigarette and I think I'm smoking a cigarette and he's like calling for his dog and it just zips by and is fucking I think it thought it saw something maybe a fucking figment of its imagination I don't know it fucking just takes off running after something that's not there and like chasing people who are at McDonald's like, Oh, what the fuck? You know, a fucking perma mushroom trip dog is fucking t- like, who knows? And this thing is goddamn fucking huge. Like everyone, it looks unpredictable. It's like having schizophrenia, like, and hallucinations, like, holy shit. So we, I remember he ended up fucking grabbing it and getting it in the car and it didn't kill me that day. But um, <laughs> that's Chris. That's a fucked up thing to do to a dog, by the way. But I mean, I had fucking drug dealer connects that were shitty and I needed fucking drugs. So I was exposed to fucked up shit. <sighs> but anyway, I was like, yeah, I've got to call this guy to tell him it's my birthday to get like free drugs. And he's like, yeah, Fuck yeah, it's your birthday, you're with Ray. Oh, cool, I haven't seen in a while. Let's hang out. I got a fentanyl sucker we're all gonna fucking take, and I'll give you a fucking... Uh, you gave me like a half eight. Half eight the fucking bomb weed. And I already had like five grams of different weed from different people. So I was like, fentanyl sucker and more free weed on my birthday, that's a reason to go to Napomo. Because I fucking don't like going to Napomo. And the only reason I went was for like syringes at the the pharmacy at the grocery store or drugs in itself, you know. So me and Ray drive to Nipomo, pick up Chris. And Chris is kind of a fucking psychopath. I think I've already explained to you. I mean, I'd go in there and buy a bunch of fucking pills. 
like a bunch of pills and he w- we would take them and he would like shoot me in the fucking kneecap with a BB gun loaded with a giant wooden dart and it would be sticking out of my kneecap and I'd be so high on fucking opiates with him I wouldn't even feel it. So we're uh, have the we have the potential to get into some shit. So he gives me a bunch of weed. We have this fentanyl sucker and we're like, yeah, let's drive out on Wazda and smoke all a bunch of this weed. Let's roll up some blunts, raise it or is down to roll a couple. And I was like, well, we need to spice things up. And uh, what made me feel like a badass at the time was drinking 40 ounces of malt liquor. Uh, I think I liked Mickey's for a while, but they made me sick. I mean, I think all malt liquor makes you sick. <laughs> but what made me feel like a real gangster, <laughs> my white ass, was Old English. Like, Brother Lynch rapped about it. Like, 40 ounces and Drink Old English 40s. Now, it's not like I had the balls to fucking just sit out in the middle of the woods on Wazna and drink this. It's cold, it's dark, there's fucking God knows what kind of wildlife out there. So, what we ended up doing is Ray was on blunt rolling patrol, Chris was on distributing the fentanyl sucker patrol, and, um, I was on driver patrol, Ubering before Uber, and um, we each had a 40. And look, I don't advise this, kids, don't do this. I explained the story because it happened, but this is stupid. Don't do this. But yeah, I'm driving way out in the cuts where there's like, you're like hours away from hospitals or, uh, you know, people's houses to get to a phone. Uh, your phone doesn't have reception, you know, like there ain't no police out there. So you're, that's why we went out there, but yeah, I'm driving out there, windy ass road, pitch black, no streetlights. And we each got a 40. Uh, I'm drinking it while we're driving. Ray's rolling blunts and we're fucking smoking blunts. Chris takes out this fentanyl sucker and like fucking gross savages, he starts, you know, sucking on the fucking thing. And then he hands it to me. I'm a fucking fiend. I just popped the thing in my mouth. I don't, and you know, Chris is, who knows where Chris's mouth has been. But at that point I was like, this is what is going to deliver <laughs> things to my, uh, uh obvious, my receptors that is going to make me feel happy. So, or happier. So we we're passing around and Ray's mouth. Who knows where the fuck Ray's mouth is? Like he's got a microwave in his car. Like, I know Ray at least at the very at the very least Ray's mouth has has been around a lot of uh meth like gas and frozen burritos and maybe lack of brushing his teeth but then he's last in line for this fentanyl sucker almost like the last in line of the fucking human centipede for fuck's sake and uh you know and it's still going in circles so by the time he gets to Ray's mouth and it's passed back around it's probably really in disgusting, uh, grotesque condition, but in Chris's mouth, it goes back into my mouth. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm fucking sucking and extracting every morsel and crumb of, of, of fentanyl out of this sucker as possible. And if I have to swallow other people's saliva to do it, like I was a gross fucking bastard. But anyway, Oh God. Ugh. So I'm getting fucked up 
I mean, I got a good buzz. One Old English 40 ounces, what, like three, three and a half beers? I don't know. And it's malt liquor. It's gross. It doesn't taste that good. And you feel like kind of a dirty alcohol fade. (laughs) And I have five different fucking strains of chronic. Uh, Who knows if they're indica or sativa? I didn't ask any questions. It's not like you go in a weed store and you're like, yeah, give me some of this fucking super silver haze or Bubba Kush, Bubba Sparks Kush OG, you know? No, it's like maybe that one's a really crazy purple indica or yeah, purple indica. Maybe that one's some crazy sativa. I'm just mixing all these compounds of THC into one blunt like a and when you do that like different strains just crumble together in a blunt it's referred to as like a salad 90s term whatever i'm on my way to being a boomer but i had that and dirty fate of alcohol and really clean pharmaceutical grade like top shelf opiates you know that's been passed around the mouths of three disgusting drug addicts but uniquely disgusting so I remember at one point we're driving and we get to, um, like I, ex- I explained before, we get to this place, Stony Creek. Now, <sighs> Stony Creek is, like I said, yeah, it's crazy fucking dirt road, shack with millions of bullet holes in it. We hear guns going off every time we've been out there. You don't know if you'll be attacked by a wild animal. I mean, I would carry a little bat in the trunk when we went out there just in case we had to like protect ourselves against fucking bears or what, whatever the fuck. And um, so it's basically once you see the sign for Stony Creek, um, you know, like I've gone out there and sh- shot my first gun out there. I think someone had a shitty ass fucking nine millimeter and I was like, I'll shoot it. And it fucking the recoil on the fucking hammer cut my hand. I was like, there ain't, dude, you get it. You people probably have been buried out there. It's so far out there. But once we see Stony Creek, it is far out there, but it's pretty much the point of no return. You can turn around and go back and it takes like 45 minutes or what not to get back into town. Or you go past Stony Creek or the bird, you know, you enter, you go past the sign and enter Stony Creek. And, um, like we decided by that point, the fentanyl has kicked in. Like we we got half or 40, you know, down most of the blunt smoked. We got plenty of weed. We're like, let's go further. I mean, when you're buzzed off fentanyl, you can smoke a lot of weed and you can drink a, a good amount. So we, we venture forward, right? Oh my God. And by that point, I, it, things get hazy. Like every story I try to re- recollect. And uh, at one point, I feel nauseous like I usually do drinking alcohol and being, you know, pressured into drinking more. And so I pull over my car, brother Lynch hung blasting in the background. Coming off that high, it's a double deck wrapped around some funk in the trunk. I got the Mossberg pumping about the jack of pump. And I fucking, um, I just fucking open the door and lean over and puke all this fucking malt liquor out. <laughs> And I'm bummed at this point because I don't like the thing is, I don't care about the liquor. Fuck, who cares? It's cheap liquor. It costs like two, three bucks or whatever. I was worried about what potential fentanyl mixed with other people's saliva is getting regurgitated out of my digestive system because it needs to go the other way, not not outward, inward. So I suck on a dirty... (laughs) passed around fucking you know fentanyl sucker and passed around like it 
I don't know, like something dirty you don't want to imagine. But uh, we venture forward and um, we, you know, the, like I said, Stony Creek passes through creeks multiple times. We get through there and hours later you get towards the end and it's scary. Like it's in the, at the, in the middle of the night. It's probably 1.30 in the morning. We get to this spot where you go up this giant, like the biggest hill, way, way out in the middle of nowhere. We go up this hill and you, you go, if you go straight, there's a, it reaches basically the very end and it's this big metal railing that blocks the road and you cannot go any farther unless you have a key to the, like the giant lock that lets you swing this giant bar or, you know, barrier open so you can go further. But, you know, I'm sure if you went further, it goes even farther, but we couldn't get past this. So we turn around and as we're going back, we notice that you can go take a right and go down this other road. And we, you know, out of curiosity thinking, Hey, you can go out there and go even further out in the middle of nowhere, some direction. So we were like, Hey, fuck it. Let's do it. Um, the thing about this little road, I've tried to go down this road once, but I, you really need a truck because there's giant divots in this dirt road. And while you're going up the side of this cliff of hill, it's a narrow, it's shady. You can probably fucking drive off of it very easily and it's dangerous. So while I'm driving up, I was like, yeah, I can, you know, <laughs> I'm like super drunk. I can't handle these divots in this road. And I'm like fucking bottoming, bottoming out is when the, the tires or the wheel goes so deep in these divots, the, the undercarriage, it flatlines and scrapes on the bottom of the fucking dirt. And you know, it's a dirt road and there's rocks and shit. So I'm just like bottoming out uphill, gassing it, trying not to lose control of this car. It's just like, vroom, vroom, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I'm bottoming out and they're like, you can do it. And I just, I'm like, Oh God, I'm fucking up my car, but I'm so fucking high on all these drugs. Like, and I want to make it. It's my birthday for fuck's sake. I want to make it out of here. Like to the top of this mountain. I'm young, like adventurous, you know, my dumbass makes it to the top. Now this, um, at the very top, at the very end, the road splits and basically horseshoes and loops around. So if you either, if you go right or left, no matter where it splits off, it loops around in a circle and then you go back the other way. There's no one's house. It's just all private property. And you get to the very, very top of this giant tallest mountain in a sea of mountains out in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, I don't know, like the moon was like almost like red and very bright. So you, it was pitch black, but you can the, like the moon was light enough to illuminate so you could see around, but it's like red illumination. It's like really dark and creepy and spooky. And we're sitting there smoking another blunt. <laughs> I think we smoked a joint by that time. And, uh, just staring out into the, you know, beyond contemplating life, just being really, you know, deep and meta and woke or whatever, you know? And, um, I fucking catch a whiff of something that wasn't weed. Cause I was like, well, that's weird. We're smoking weed. And I looked down and in this like dirt patch in the middle of nowhere, right next to us is a giant or just this big fucking white diaper filled with shit. <laughs> and so we went all this way, did all these drugs, drank all this beer, 
got down all these roads past these people's properties who would shoot us if they knew we were out there, but they're passed out, bottoming out my car, get to the end of this beautiful scenery to find our prize, a dirty fucking diaper with shit in it that was so shitty, it overpowered the smell of the blood. And by that time, we were grossed out, and we're like, ew, sick, let's get the fuck out of here. I've already puked, and I've done enough fentanyl with other people's saliva in it that I'm like, mm, I don't want to puke again smelling shit. So we get in my car and turn around. And while we're, we get past the horseshoe kind of loop around and we're heading down this giant fucking mountain. Like I said, it's shady, narrow divots. I approach where all the divots are. And I'm, I, I lose confidence in, I, in my ability to get down this road. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I can drive down that. I made it up like no like problem, but getting down looks like I'm going to really fuck up my car. I don't know how to go like slow or if I should do this. And Ra my buddy Reza was like, I'll do it, man. I can fucking do this. I got this. And so he's got fucking liquid courage in him. And uh, he fucking, I'm like, all right, dude, just don't fuck up my car, man. And he gets in the fucking cockpit, driver's side, behind the wheel, gets <laughs> goes like down this fucking hill with all these fucking divots. And we, we survived, we lived, and the car didn't roll or crash, but it bottomed out so hard so many times. It was just like, I was just like, God damn it. What the fuck, Ray? And uh, we actually... And when once we got past like the fucking death trap, he let me back in my car and we drove all the way home, which took hours. And I made it home safe and we all made it home safe. Uh, but my car, fuck, my car had like, what was it? It had a fucking dented header pipe. So the bottom of the header pipe was dented bad. The oil pan was cracked and leaking oil. The tranny pan was cracked and leaking tranny fluid. The fucking... Um, He's just the undercarriage just had scrapes all over it. Ugh. Good thing there was like little plastic guards. But if you looked under there, it looked like shit. And uh, I mean, that was my first car. It was a, like a 94 green Mazda 626. You know, I ended up later, you know, when I was going to college or pretending to go to college, I ended up getting brake checked on this shady freeway and while dodging a car, I fucking drove through a barbed wire fence going like 80, 85, like with a blunt in my hand, no less. And then, uh, it was, <laughs> I went through that barbed wire fence like butter. And then for every time I'd fucking go to a party or go to someone's house, they'd be like, who keyed your car, dude? And I'm like, dude, what you think Freddy Krueger keyed my car? Fuck off. It's like, it looked bad. Those scratches all over it. And I would still make it to work. And I think, uh, the last straw was I got into a fender bender on the freeway. It was like five car pile up and my hood of my car was dented up. I managed to brake hard enough to like avoid a giant impact and there, there was no engine damage or no intercooler damage. But that car was my first car and it got fucking destroyed. I ended up selling it to my friend Nick for like a thousand bucks or maybe twelve hundred. No, it was a thousand bucks even. I was like, there's so much body damage and shit, you fucking take it. And he took it for a thousand bucks, and uh, I I don't know if it still drives, but, I mean, because it was in good, pretty good condition. Mazdas makes okay cars, but, yeah, man, that is 
one of the many times I, um, yeah, went to Waza and crazy shit happened. Actually, you know, it's funny what ended up happening to that car or the re, uh, before I even ended up selling it. I went out to Wasna way before this time I went to Wasna <laughs> and I went to Wasna and my check oil, uh, fluid or oil light went on and I went all the way home and I never put oil in the car ended up having this hot ass girl. I was hooking up with, uh, drive her to Napomo cause she lived there at a different trailer park. No less. Damn it. Cause I was so drunk. I was like, you, she, she was allergic to alcohol. I was like, you drive yourself home. By the time we drop you off, I'll be sober enough to get home. She, and I, by then I still hadn't put oil in the fucking car. She seizes my goddamn engine on the freeway going to Napomo. Right when we're getting off the fucking exit to Napomo, I just hear my car going. <laughs> it was basically the pistons getting so hot they were welding, melting into the engine block. That's what seizing your engine is. And basically it's fucking, it's bricked. You can't fucking, you have to buy a whole new engine after that. So I ended up buying like a whole new engine for a, a thousand bucks in itself. Fuck, I was so stupid. I fucked that car up. God. So, lesson learned is if you are about to get your first car or you have a, a, ch- a child and they're about to get a license, make their first car something really shitty because they're going to fuck it up regardless. But that's the moral of the story. And uh, yeah. I'm out. Fuck off. me future the most futurist unk there is doing all the post edits wrapping things up and uh i just wanted to show up as an easter egg to say you know did you make it this far are you still listening if you've made it this far then i congratulate you and um basically i just wanted to say a couple things before I wrap up this episode of a few things have happened recently um, that have impacted a lot of people. And um, I just wanted to shed light on it. And it's, it's really only going to take two seconds. Um, but the first thing I want to do is really just thank every single one of you out there listening. Um, really the biggest reason I even... Uh, make episodes and get or try to get better at making content for all of you is because you listen because your input and your feedback and because my interactions with you all out there have always been 
so fucking positive and amazing. And it's really had, um, it's kind of that positivity's bled into my life. And it makes me feel nice and warm and fuzzy. I don't want to be too like cheesy and lame about it. But yeah, I mean, you guys are fucking awesome. So, I mean, I hope you guys made it this far. And if you did, thank you. I just want to thank all of you. Um, the other thing I just wanted to quickly say is, uh, I know I had a plan for all these B-side like stories to make it on the only like two, I only got two done and it's like what an hour and a half almost. So, um, but don't worry. I have already recorded a fucking gangbusters load of these other stories, B-side stories and other ones in the vault that I haven't even uncovered yet. So, um, I'm going to wrap this one up at an hour and a half. I want to keep these at about an hour, an hour and a half. And by doing that, hopefully there will be more episodes more often for all of you. So just that. The other th- the other thing I just really wanted to talk about and bring up before this episode's done, because this is a fresh new thing that's that's happened recently and while I still have like fresh emotions about <clears throat> the subject at hand that I'm about to discuss, um, I just wanted to get it out there on this one. So there have been a couple people that have passed away um, that we all know and you all should know. Um, the first person that recently passed away is uh, the, the legendary Paul Mooney. Uh, he's just, he's been in the stand-up comedy circuit for as long as I know. Even before I was born, he was just chopping it up and doing projects with Richard Pryor. And then, you know, surviving and just thriving, really. Uh, he's done work with Dave Chappelle. And I really just admire that man for um, his perseverance and He's I the one thing I really admire he's just been able to stay relevant and fresh and come up with um really thought provoking you know topics for for discussion even whether it be stand up or whether it be just in his interviews I mean the dude's smart and the and what's great about him what's the my favorite thing about Paul Mooney is he just doesn't give a fuck about what anyone thinks about what flies out of his mouth and uh, the dude could never be canceled because he's just kind of grandfathered in to being like this legend legend in fucking stand-up comedy so i just wanted to give my condolences and say rest in peace paul mooney you will be missed and you have left this just legacy that's just amazing and you've affected a lot of people out there the other person that has recently just passed away, actually, in fact, as I am editing this, which is no no shit Friday morning, like 1 a.m., uh, but I guess it was technically Thursday, <clears throat> while I was wrapping this episode up, I found out that, um, uh, and you know, I'm doing my best to pronounce, his name is as uh, correctly as possible, but uh, I believe it was Kentaro Miuri. Miuri. Kentaro Miuri. 
And if you don't know who that is, well, he should. He, he recently just passed away, very recently at the age of 54, and he is the genius behind the uh, Berserk series, uh, the manga, and then what later became a, a short anime. You know, a lot of people don't know about Berserk or about this amazing piece of work, you know. I'm not this bit I'm not really a big anime nerd, but when I was, it was like in my when I was 16 or something. And uh, Berserk was just the darkest. I didn't even read manga. I didn't give a fuck about manga. I know there's this big running joke amongst certain people out there that I can't read or that I read I should I probably read manga cuz it's got pictures so it's easier and you know that's a, that's a dead meme at this point you guys really need to come up with better jokes like come on man but um from what everyone who I've spoken with they they've all told me they would just say that um the manga the berserk manga series is probably the one of the best you know novels of all time like fuck all be it an anime or whether it be a book or anything you could, I mean, so fucking many people will regard that one story as one of the greatest of all time in manga history or anime history or any, anything. So with that, I want to play out um, just this little quote from Berserk and uh, play out one of my favorite songs. And uh, I just want you to know, guys, I really love you and I'm really happy to... Um, to interact with you so anyway i'm out and uh, with that peace love and all of the above it seems to me that everybody stakes their lives in a lost cause looking over them all from up here i almost think i can see their hopes and dreams flickering in each little light